Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, welcome to the Curator Podcast. This is episode 25. Hi, hello, welcome once again to your listener to the Curator Podcast. I am your host, Mark Fraser, and this is episode number 25. On this episode, I have Jake from the noise rock turned electro rock band Health. I'm going to be honest, there's probably some people listening to this podcast who don't know who Health are, which is fine. And there's probably people listening to this podcast who do know who Health are and are maybe listening for the first time. So it's time to come clean, I guess. I'm fairly new to the band Health. I only heard their album, Death Magic, a couple of months ago. And it just floored me, really. It was heavy. It was kind of, it, remind, it was quite industrial. It did remind me a lot of Nine Inch Nails in places. But it's also way like way more poppy like there's a lot more attention to kind of songcraft there's a lot more attention to popular music style songcraft I guess you could say but at their heart they're still very much a rock band still very much a band which like to get noisy and just really really heavy they're also quite ele- electronic now I'm not really into electronic music or electro music a lot of the time it just makes me it just leaves me feeling cold. It leaves me feeling like, I don't know, it always feels kind of sterile to me. But with health, there's a really prominent, a really prominent live element and a really prominent sort of, I'm not even going to say electric guitars or whatever because that's just, that's a total bullshit I think you say, but there's a, a really prominent human element to it. Like there's a ghost in the machine, if you will. I think it's probably a combination of like fierce electronica and noise rock, which is just melded to create something which I think is probably one of the heaviest things I've heard this year. And then I seen them live, and they were just staggeringly loud, like so so loud. It was brilliant, and it's unlike anything I've ever seen before. And I'm so so glad that I came across them, and uh, I was able to talk to them. I spoke to Jake. And we kind of touch on it a little bit on the interview, but probably not as much as I'd like to. Um, but we did kind of bond a little bit over how we both loved punk. And I guess that's kind of where we both come from. So that was really great. And Jake has a lot to say about music and his band's music and why their album took six years to to arrive. So yeah, I'm really glad that I get to share this chat with you. As is tradition, 
I'm going to open with a song. This song is from their latest album, which you should really check out. It's called Stone Fist, and I hope you enjoy it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Dick, how you doing? I'm fine, how are you? I, I'm okay, yeah. I've had a little bit of, as they say, Dutch courage. Because um, I get nervous before interviews, I get quite ang- I've actually got anxiety. So, um, yeah, but, okay. So I get a bit nervous before interviews, but I'm fine now. So, yeah. What's Dutch courage again? It's just having like a, a pint or two. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I figured. Yeah. Um, we call it liquid courage. Oh, well, it must be a European thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the same thing. I think yours is just... So, liquid courage is pretty obvious. Yeah. <laughs> I have anxiety issues, too, so I understand. Oh, that's, that's awesome. At least we're on the same page. Yeah, sure. I feel so much better already. <laughs> um, so, the first question I want to ask you is, I've heard that you guys really like Rihanna. Is that true? Uh, yeah. I mean, I like Rihanna as an artist, just, you know, in terms of like the whole perfect pop star kind of yeah. package. She tends to be able to, she gets really good songs. Uh-huh. You know, I don't think of her like sitting at home and writing those songs yeah but, well, um, that's probably Max Martin that does that to be honest I think it's all kinds of people <laughs> I mean we know even people that have done um, you know that's why she gets so many good songs too is like you have so many people working on them they, they do a thing I don't know if you're aware of Rihanna's songwriter camp I've never heard of it man, no. it's um, we have a couple friends who've done it it's just they you know get tons of different artists maybe it's artists that are in their own groups or artists that just write music or you know and they have people that write beats that write melodies that write top line and they just go to task and just write like i can't i don't want to like misquote or misrepresent what the number is but it's an they generate an incredible amount of musical material like you know they'll write 300 fucking songs in a month yeah and then you know the producers will come in and they parse through all the material and then they'll cut it down to like 40 songs that they pursue to produce further and then, you know, she'll come in and pick, like, certain ones, and then, you know, it gets down to, like, then you get 12 songs for a record. But So it's like, it's there's an incredible amount of music that's written before they get to those songs. It's like a, almost like a factory. It's, it, it is. Yeah. It's like... It's like interrogating the same melodies over and over again until you get down to the absolute perfection of, of what it is, I guess. But then there's the other element of just coming from, you know, the perspective of someone who does write music is that why that, that kind of thing does work if you have a lot of talented people, even though there is the... It, the feeling that it's it's uh, fabricated and, and very mechanized, but at the same time, a lot of what happens uh, when you're writing music is is based on just having to write a bunch of it. So it kind of just takes the idea and assembly lines it. So instead of you just having one person who's going to write her record who can only physically be capable of so much, they just streamline all these people. And yeah. so it's like there's a lot of shit ideas, and then there's some really good ones, and... But you get to those really good ones just by writing a bunch of music. It's like, it's like sort of rehearsing that craft and getting it till it's perfect. Which, I mean, 
everybody, every single interview that I've read you guys, somebody's always asked you, man, it's been six years since the last record, why is that? But is it that kind of type of perfectionism almost, like to make sure the songs are like that exact representation of what you want them to be? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say that I feel like we made it even remotely. <laughs> uh, it's definitely a level of being neurotic. Uh, and I think that that is a fair question to ask. Like you said, every interview asks why it took us six years to make a record. Uh, that's a pretty goddamn admissible question, I think. Um, as far as the songs go, like, yeah, absolutely. Like, we wanted to make sure there were certain songs where it's just like, you know, you, you I definitely think you can overwork on something very quickly. And that was the biggest thing I learned in writing this record is that. You, you and not just in music, but in all kinds of art, especially because people get really emotionally connected to things that they've worked on. They will try to shoehorn that into the song if it doesn't fit anymore, if the song became something else, or if, even if you're writing a screenplay or a novel or whatever the idea is. And at a certain point, if it doesn't work anymore, you should just fucking get rid of it. But it it, it takes a lot of uh, that's a very liberating realization. But at the same time, it can take practice to get that perspective. I think what took us so long, the perfectionism thing on it was uh, kind of an obsession with the production of the record, with how it sounded. Um, I mean, obviously, that's a, a huge part of that is is songwriting, but we, having not been a, we're not a green band, you know, this is our third record, and coming out of this, part of why it took so long was we had a very long touring cycle after our second LP, like two and a half years or something, is we're, you know get around as a live band we played a lot of festivals we ended up playing for like two and a half years you know it's a long time for even for the band and the cycle the three year cycle that's a long fucking time yeah and so then right when we were going to start working on our next record we got approached by a video game company and we ended up doing a max pain yeah and so that took like literally 14 months of straight work um so that accounts for like three years (laughs) and then the next three it was just like yeah, you know, one thing led to another. One thing fell through, and we. But the biggest thing was our first record we made. You know, we had zero resources whatsoever. Um, we had the resources of living in Los Angeles. It's really easy to rent uh, very, very high end audio equipment for very cheap. So we found a place to record it for free, and we just did it ourselves. We didn't know what the fuck we were doing. And then the second record, um, we had a label, and you know some a little bit of money to to make the record and I'm not to decry that record in any way a lot of people you know fans that we appreciate uh, loved that record but it didn't come out it sounds like this really raw fucked up punk record but that's not what we were that's not the production sound we were going for it just ended up that way and I think that coming to this last one with that perspective we just absolutely knew we weren't going to put something out until we were happy with how it sounded. And I think that's something that happens for better or for worse to a lot of bands and the prevailing wisdom. You're like, hey man, just get the songs out there and get them out to people. Um, and sometimes, you know, you go in and work with someone and they might make a record that sounds great uh, and people love it and the band hated it the first time they heard it, you know? Like I just I just finished reading... Um, Peter Hook's book about Joy Division is like initially, you know, they hated the way those records sounded. That happens to be one of those things where 
very luckily, history showed the produ- market, Martin Hannett's production sound to be this very incredible, um, seminal and unique thing that made those records absolutely memorable because they don't sound like any other re- any other music. I didn't feel like our records get color sounded like that, and it was just a very stubborn thing where we felt like we're not fucking putting this thing out until we're happy with at least how it sounds. Like anything. Like that is um, any artistic process that, you know, the saying goes, it's never finished, it's abandoned. And so that's very much the case with making a record. But we weren't going to abandon it, which is the place, you know, you finally get to where you're like, all right, we're going to let it go, we've got to let it out in the world. But we just weren't going to do it until it sounded right. And once we figured that out, it went really fast, but it took like fucking two years. We just, we were not, we were okay with... You know, going and working somewhere or working on it ourselves and then listening to it and then playing it for, you know, like our management or whatever and and then just realizing, like, this isn't where it needs to be. So that that was sort of the obsession. That's a roundabout answer, but that was the, the sort of neurotic preoccupation that kind of consumed the record. I think you can hear that. I mean, the production and of itself has a lot of depth, like... I would, the only thing I can refer it to, because um, I'll come to this in a minute, because I'm a punk kid, yeah. um, is that I can only really refer it to um, Nine Inch Nails, like Trent Reznor's style of production. It's, it's deep, it fills the whole spectrum as opposed to just being kind of like that mid-rangey sound that you get with yeah. a, lot of, a lot of albums, you know. Plus, I did notice when I was listening to it earlier today that it is, compared to a lot of other albums, it's actually loud as fuck as well. <laughs> it's very, like, it's, that's cool, it's, it's a cool thing, but it's loud, which I love about it. <laughs> Well, that was that was also an obsession that you know if you were just talk to our bass player, like he had a, he had an absolute like to the point of OCD craziness with it being loud because there's certain music we all he and I both got into music through punk rock, um, and you know when you listen to old punk records, new punk record, what it's like when it's just guitars and like you were saying mid range is treble, it's like that's the language of rock and roll, that's the language of punk rock, it especially if you see it live, it's visceral as fuck and it sounds loud. But when you A-B that with the music of today, just like some fucking kid making EDM on his laptop, it's like it's heavier than all the heaviest music. So that was something that we started as a noise band, you know, like dudes like making pedal noise and like we, you know, all loved punk and post-punk, but we figured like why start a band to do something that someone else did better than you're ever going to do like 25 years before or 30 years before. Um, so I think when we got to this record, that was an obsession was we were always trying to, we started out as a live band. That's so you conceived that sort of David Byrne, it's not his idea, but he wrote an essay about, you know, the music is conceived for the spaces in which it's going to be played. So that's why, you know, like arena rock is mid tempo, like, so that slapback echo can travel across the stadium because if it's too fast, it's going to get muddy. And, you know, like, the music that Gang of Four or Cabaret Voltaire made was, like, for, like, little tiny places where you don't need a fucking PA, you know? And now festival bangers are made for places that have giant sub-bass systems. And so we were just sort of obsessed with that exact idea of how do you communicate a... The the mission statement of the record was to make a modern heavy record, because now when you if you're we get you know lumped into indie rock, um, which we don't see ourselves as an indie rock band. 
not that I have any problem with that. Uh, I would agree with that as well. But you know, most most Rihanna songs hit harder than most indie rock. You know, and that so we were kind of listening to shit that's on the radio and listening to to modern hip hop and just thinking like, why doesn't someone apply this to like an aggressive rock record? Because it, and that that's a it's a hard thing too because essentially. I mean, it's always been sort of dumb, but heavy music is like never tasteful. <laughs> it's very rare. I mean, one of the, you know, Nine Inch Nails is a good example. And even then you still have lines like, I want to fuck you like an animal. Yeah. That's what, you know, like that, that song is an incredible song, but what the, the purchases that gained on the minds of like the nineties generation was that line. So it's like, and you know, we, we toured with Nine Inch Nails and like, um, got to work with Trent Reznor at his house and stuff like that. And, and so there was definitely an, an awareness, too, of sort of looking at that, where you're like, he's making heavy music, but with, like, incredibly tasteful production decisions. And so that was sort of de- definitely another level of obsession, but also it being loud as fuck. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty clear from the producers that you picked, the three of them, I guess, that you were going for something that was not, like... Not a modern rock record. Um, it's interesting that you worked with Hackstein Cloak in a couple of songs because I actually came in through a band called The Body. Yeah, that that like, record's awesome. And like, I couldn't believe what he'd done with that band. Like, that was just, I'd, I'd like, um, one of the things I wanted to say is like, I am a punk kid and I'm still a punk kid. And um, and I can't remember how I came across Death Magic, but it was it was only very recently, and it was just it actually made me feel something. And I listen to a lot of punk records like every day and new stuff you know and I'm like oh yeah that's cool I love that I love that guitar part I love that hook you know I love that drum bit but it never really makes me feel something kind of almost visceral you know and there was something about Death Magic that kind of made me go like like holy fuck this is, this is not what I usually listen to but it speaks to me more than say you know the latest X record by my favourite punk band you know yeah. and Am I getting old? <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> I, I don't know. I appreciate the compliment. I, um, I mean, that's we definitely were trying to make a very visceral, visceral record. And, um, you know, like, if you like it, you're going to really like it. If you don't like it, you, like, well, one thing that I always kind of say is that, you know, if pe- people have been asking us for years, what, what kind of band are we? And then I finally figured out what it is. It's just, we are not background music. Yeah, <laughs> like that's the that's like the be- that's the most succinct answer because I don't have a because I don't want to be like we're a modern uh, hard rock band that just sounds terrible it sounds like you're like you know like a heavy Imagine Dragons or something, bridge or something fucking Muse or some yeah. shit you know um, just t- tasteless shit and so but that's the thing is it's like it's it's supposed to be music that and and that's the most difficult thing with the way most music is music is more prevalent now than it ever has been it's more of a, an accessory to your lifestyle than ever before it's different when you're like like if you're a punk head it's like you listen to punk rock punk rock is like you listen to it you're actively engaged in it. it's like a lifestyle and music is you know an expression of your lifestyle for most people they kind of just fucking put it on in the background so they can like clean their apartment and it's like so now it's ever present but it's like you just play it off your your iPhone and half the cool shit that comes out now sounds like you should be shopping for pants at like a you know like a boutique store and it's all very pleasant but um, most of it is can can exist very comfortably in the background 
it's almost like you've taken a production of those records that are like banging on the radio and went, hang on, we're taking this and we're putting it on these songs that are just raging and they're, they're just there and heavy and you can't get rid of this. This is not background music. This is, like you said, it's supposed to be in your face. Well, that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to take like a, a modern pop slash like hip-hop production to like a noise record. Now, admittedly, we... we did write some much more melodic music than we had in the past. Um, yeah, it is more melodic than, than the last two records, which yeah. is definitely not a bad thing, you know. I mean, you want your music to reach the, the, the biggest amount of people as possible, surely. So, yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Well, and you also want to progress, you know. You don't want yeah. to make the... I mean, I don't feel like we've... Maybe more so in mainland Europe, we kind of were aware of that a little bit. That Like, the shows are great. They're mostly... They're kind of full of newer fans. Like, I think that the... Guys who got into us, people who got into us, um, when our first record came out, is because it's very much this reversal, status quo, rock, just completely in-your-face experimental music. Um, and we might have lost some of those people, you know? <laughs> but I'm, not, I'm just I'm really not interested, in, especially like when you say it's been six years between records and then we did this video game score, it's like, who the hell is interested in like making the same... like? Like, oh, you know, you can prefer, like, I, I know there's, you know, people that would prefer our first record, but I can't make that record again eight years out. It just doesn't make any sense. I mean, we've been speaking for like a while now, and I've not asked any of the questions <laughs> that I've got here. Um, I'm sorry. It's cool, man, don't worry about it, it's, it's awesome. But one question that I do have, which you just kind of touched on a little bit there, was, was creating this record kind of about, I guess... Um, about, it's obviously about challenging yourself and being a better musician and a better songwriter and like you say you can't go back you're not the same guy that made that first record yeah and it's like you don't want to keep like you say you don't want to keep making it over and over again because that's not challenging anymore it's like I've done that and get rid of it so I guess a part of also a huge part of it must be well we're now playing at the fucking top of our game like we're writing music and we're playing better than we've ever done and it's about that challenge as well would you say that's kind of a fair assumption uh, I don't know if I'm comfortable saying that we're like at the top of our game. Um, well, up to this moment, you must be only surely. I don't know. You know, it's like it's, you all get better as, as you get as you get older. Well, I don't know if that's true. I mean, <laughs> I guess it's just a complicated. I, I think that like at the, we're at the top of our professionalism as a band, like in terms of like consistently sounding good and like having songs that have like hooks in them, and like you know we're we're a professional band, mm-hmm. um, but. There's just, I think, any artistic career or experience is kind of marked by just different periods. Like, I don't know that there's the same level of visceral experience for us that there there was when we were, like, playing some, like, dirty warehouse show when we all were just excited that we could even get a show. You know, it's just like there's just just a different process. I mean, I think we we are presently probably at the height of our professionalism as a band. Um, And I think that... Probably in terms of songwriting, but it's an interesting thing because we're still a very atypical band. But going back to that Peter Hook thing again, I was you know just finished that book, and one thing that you do when you're younger, we were willfully doing is, but you know you could have something that that's just wrong musically, quote unquote, and you just do it anyway, and that's why you end up getting some really weird results that are very very unique. And as you get more inclined to try to stay in like a, a 
do the right thing musically, it's like then you kind of get a little bit more boring. And that's one of the reasons why we were listening to so much weird radio shit and, and like experimental hip hop because there's, there's no, there's like no rules. It's like you can, you don't have to have like an A, B, A, B, C, whatever. Yeah. Like it doesn't, n- none of that shit matters. You know, you just have like a loop that goes with some crazy ass drum beat. So, so like, can I make, well, you've, you've lived with this record for, for I guess, so long now. I mean, and the reaction to it has, has been quite good. Are you quite happy with the way the record's been received so far, especially live, I guess? Yeah, it's been really good. Um, we'll see how tonight goes. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, do Glaswegians, do they dance? It seemed like people were pretty mellow. It, it, it depends what kind of music you play. Um, I think people will dance tonight, yeah. Maybe, I don't know. I was just in that room and it seemed... I guess people need to drink a little bit more. It's still a little early. Yeah, um, I was kind of wondering, one of the questions I was going to ask is, um, did you feel as though there was like a weight of expectation on you for this record? Yeah. And do you feel as though you've completely subverted that with this record? Uh, we definitely felt... An inc- that was actually the most rewarding part, is that there, I, the amount of expectation that I felt I put on myself releasing this record was very, very anxiety-inducing and, and just uncomfortable... Not that, like, there was so much anticipation. It was more like, is anyone going to even give a shit? And then if they do give a shit, because the record is very different from the other ones, are they just going to say, this sucks? Like, this isn't why we liked this band. Because, I mean, if you were to, if you listen to the production of the different records, like, the difference between the first two is noticeable, but the difference between those two to this one is, like, vast. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we were... That was the goal, but that could also really piss people off. So, yes, the fear was that, like, people are only going to care enough to just say that it was shitty. (laughs) So as far as that goes, yeah, we're very happy with uh, the response that we've been getting. Um, I've just got one more question for you, because you've got to get going soon. I'm Um, sorry, I screwed up your your podcast, man. No, you did, man. What what you've been been, been talking about so far is better than any fucking questions I had, so don't don't worry about that. Okay. Um, are you so now that you've had the record for for so long? Are you are you ready to move on? As, as like I know a lot of people in bands that have so long with music that they've written. They're like, oh, I've done this record. I've recorded it. I've heard it so many times, and I just want to do the next thing. <laughs> I I want to get back to writing, yeah. but um, you know, I do love performing live, and I think that's what makes it the most exciting of all. Like performance arts or you know I have friends who are filmmakers back in LA is that you know every time you play a show it's like it's different sometimes it's good sometimes it's bad sometimes it's mediocre um but you know audiences are different in different venues in different cities in different countries and it's it is exciting to to get to share the songs with fans and to see like what's the difference between when you play the record play songs from the new record um a week after it comes out relative to a year after it's come out and people have had time to live with that music. So I'm not over that. That's still really exciting and we still really care about that. Um, but I would like to get back to writing new music. This guy that we worked with um, puts out some of our records in the U.S. brought up something that I had never really thought about and when he said it, it struck me as so obvious and he was kind of like, you know, it's the fucked up thing about like, when you make a record, you spend all this time and creative energy sort of fine-tuning and, and creatively getting in the headspace to, like, write music and, and do this thing. And then 
you, you maybe even you write more songs like hey we need another song you write a great song and then when it's done you just stop writing music for like two years because you go and tour mm-hmm. which is if you were to think about it logically maybe this is why I worked for the fucking Beatles and they just were so rich they didn't have to tour anymore or whatever it's just that you get to a point where that's almost right when you should be just writing another record because you could restart that engine yeah because you're because yeah. you're, you're 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 you've been exercising the muscles of creativity in terms of writing music and then right when you're kind of at your precipice there you're like all right just go play shows for two years you're not gonna have any time to do anything else you know yeah. so it's kind of counterintuitive but uh yeah so so it goes um, jake it's been a pleasure talking to you um do you have anything else you want to say or anything you want to ask me before we finish Oh, not particularly. I mean, I, I, I'm sorry we didn't get to talk about punk rock a little bit. Like, I, I grew up on punk rock, and that was my... I don't know if you had, like, a, a, a favorite punk band of all time, or... I, st- I still do, yeah. Um, well, I grew up listening to The Offspring, which is... Oh, shit, which, she's that kind of... Okay, yeah, okay. which is... Because I'm 30 this year. Um, but I think my favorite punk rock band of all time is probably going to be The Clash. I mean... That's pretty high up there for me. I heard London Calling when I was in my early 20s and I was like well fuck this is not really punk rock but it also really is punk rock I also really like Modern Life is War I think um, they're a hardcore band I don't know if you know them yeah yeah yeah. those guys those records kind of spoke to me as I got older um, and I spoke to those guys recently man and they're so humble and they're so blown away by the fact that people still like their music after you know going out of 80s for 5 years and then coming back it's, I guess kind of similar to yourself like do people still care I mean, the I mean, the first vinyl I ever bought was actually London Calling, and I had a similar. I was already into punk rock. I got into Black Flag, and then um, I don't really like Rollins era Black Flag, like the early shit, like Keith Moore yeah. shit. And you know, I when I was younger and really into punk, I had a huge peace punk phase where I just listened to like Crass and anything off Crass Records and Conflict yeah. and shit like that. Really like esoteric uh-huh. not very fun you know <laughs> like um, charge and stuff like that yeah I, I like to just do, like icons of filth like all kinds of shit like yeah. that and uh I remember at that time in my life like cause you know Clash songs it's like there could just be a piano in there I had this punk rock like knee jerk thing where I was like what's that a fucking piano I listen to any song with a fucking <laughs> piano in it exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but learning calling is hard cause it's like that's one of the greatest songs ever written but then Fucking brand new Cadillac sucks, you know, and it's like the second song, so yeah. it's just confusing. So it, then, yeah, and then there's like Revolution Rock and Lovers yeah. Rock and all that shit. But they did exactly what to do, you know. They did, they did the exact thing. Oh no! Now when I listen yeah. to it, like Lost in the Supermarket, just That's my gets favorite me. Clash song, favorite Clash song. Yeah, it's, a, it's amazing. amazing. Yeah, so so good. Anyway, you're going to be late. Thank you for coming. Yeah, I, I love the Mick Jones B-sides, man. Like the um, Stand By Your Man, like that shit. Like You know, one of the things I love about interviewing bands that I've only just recently come across is that talking to them feels fresh. When you're a fan of a band for a while, as a fan, you spend a lot of time reading interviews, watching interviews, listening to interviews. So it can be quite difficult to come up with something interesting to say because as a fan you feel as though you already know a lot but because I'm quite a new fan of this band I felt that I had quite a I felt as I was able to take a slightly different approach than I usually take I'm really really thankful to Jake I did a, I had a slightly different audio setup on the interview I don't know if you noticed but once again I was using like the built in mic on my Zoom H6 I won't bore you with technical details because the chances are you don't care about that shit but if you listen to that and compare it to my last couple of interviews, 
Let me know what you think If if you think it's got a different vibe Or a different feel I'd like to know I'm trying to experiment with something Which is a little bit more natural So that I'm not just holding a microphone In somebody's face And with this particular setup The setup that I used on this interview I can kind of just put the recorder down and, and let the conversation flow I think that comes across quite well In that interview actually Anyway Thank you very much for listening Please take some time to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. You know, I really appreciate it when people leave comments and messages and stuff. Marco Cuts, you gave me a review on iTunes. It was awesome. Thank you very much. But I'd like some more, so please just drop by. It takes two seconds. It'd be amazing if you could do that. I'm going to play you out now with another song from Death Magic. This song is, well, I think it's probably my favourite song on the record, actually. This song is called Drugs Exist and it's absolutely brilliant. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, bye-bye.
Have you ever Googled your own name? Prepare for a shock because your personal info, including addresses and phone numbers, is all out there. It's all harvested by data brokers and sold legally. Aura is a personal digital security service that scans the internet for your sensitive information and provides a full suite of privacy-enhancing tools. For a limited time, Aura is offering listeners a 14-day free trial at aura.com slash safety. That's A-U-R-A dot com slash safety to learn more and activate the 14-day trial period.